0: Lob Talk Radio. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, Get up, get up, get up, up, Wake up, wake up, wake up, up, Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Welcome to I am Caroline Chang, your host. The the mission of Awake to Oneness Radio is to inspire the world to awaken to the universal truth of oneness. Science and spirituality are both telling us that we are literally all connected. We are literally all one. So what you do to another person, you literally are actually doing to another aspect of yourself. And when the world awakens to this universal truth of oneness, there will be peace on Earth. (laughs) Today's show topic is Entangled Minds with Dean Radden. Dean is the chief scientist at the Institute of Noetic Sciences, and he's the author of The Conscious Universe, Entangled Minds, and Supernormal. I first learned of Dean's work, Um, while watching the film, What the Bleep, in 2007. What the Bleep was really um, the film that kind of woke me up. Um, First of all, it was the first time I ever really heard anything about quantum physics. And to find out that quantum physics was actually telling us the exact same thing that spiritual teachings were telling us, um, that, that just, Uh, Blew my mind, and actually, it was the quantum physics, understanding quantum physics, that made spirituality understandable to me. Um, uh, So I really am so thankful that Dean is with us tonight or this evening. Um, Welcome, Dean, to Awake to Oneness Radio. Hi, Dean. Thank you very much. I'm
1: happy to be here. Uh, Yeah, I'm here.
0: uh, Oh, thank you. I wasn't sure. I didn't hear you for a second. Thank you. I I'm so honored to have you cuz like I said, um I it was what the bleat that woke me up. And um I had no idea what quantum physics was, you know, was um proving um and it's not new science actually. It's been around for a long time, but you are the scientist. <laughs> so, can you please share with um our audience some
1: of your background and your work? Well, I have a, a pretty conventional educational background. Uh, I have a, a undergraduate degree in electrical engineering and a master's degree also in electrical engineering. Uh, and I went out to get my doctorate in psychology from the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana. And then I worked... Uh, My my real first job after getting my doctorate was with Bell Laboratories. Most of that was involved with advanced telecommunications research and development, but I was always interested in consciousness and the the extended capacities of consciousness, including things like psychic phenomena, but Mm -hmm. from a scientific perspective. So... Over the years, I've I've done a number of experiments, and for the past 20 or 25 years now, I've been able to spend uh, full time doing research in psychic and mystical experience.
0: How did you get started in that research?
1: Well, fortunately, by taking a a pretty conventional uh, educational track, Within electrical engineering, you learn a lot about uh, computers and uh, methods of making measurement systems of various kinds. And then within a psychology curriculum, you learn a lot about research methods. So those same techniques that are used within engineering and in psychology are applied and have been applied for over a century now to study all kinds of interesting things And the the same methods can also be applied to study psychic phenomena because fortunately most experiences that people talk about as being psychic are really psychological phenomena. They're things like perception and experiences that people have. And what we do then in, in the laboratory is listen to a story that somebody tells about their experience and figure out a way of testing it in a rigorous condition, uh, but in the laboratory. So that means taking an experience, a spontaneous experience typically in the world, and artificially constraining it in a way so that we know the difference between a coincidental response uh, and we're able to measure exactly whether the effect is due to chance or not. And the control is important because then we know that the person is not getting an inadvertent clue about what's happening and uh, they're not cheating and we can measure the results and repeat them and so on. So we're using the, the basic tools of science to study what might be thought of as unusual mental phenomena. So that's what we do.
0: Okay. Now, um explain cuz one of the, the terminologies that I learned from the film what the bleep was um uh entanglement, quantum entanglement. Um and I know your your book is in, one of your book is enti- entitled Entangled Minds. Um mm-hmm. are they, are they related the the idea of quantum entanglement and entangled minds?
1: Well, yeah, I, I use the word entangled in that case uh, for two reasons. One was actually three. Uh, one meaning of entanglement in this case was that people report experiences where they seem to share some of their mental activity or sometimes their emotional activity. So telepathy is a kind of entanglement, in, in a, maybe in a metaphorical sense. Uh, a second sense is that quantum entanglement is talking about some strange form of connection that transcends space-time between what looks like isolated particles, and it could be photons or electrons or virtually any any kind of particle, uh, energetic or material, uh, that they are still connected even though they look like they're not connected, and importantly, connected through space-time. Not, not in a, a classical sense, but in this strange, non-local quantum sense. And the third meaning is that entanglement suggests something like a, a ball of yarn that's tangled. And that, that implies, or the connotation there is that uh, this is a very complicated relationship. When you look at a ball of yarn and try to figure out how is this thing stuck together, of course it looks like a gigantic uh, mishmash like a like a knot, and that is the case for the these kinds of phenomena that we're looking at. They're very complicated uh in terms of understanding it in terms of how they work and in terms of the challenge uh that science faces in trying to understand these things uh, that makes it both frustrating at times. To study these phenomena, but it's also very challenging, and and I enjoy the challenge, which is why I've stuck with it for many years now.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, one of the I know one of the experiments that um, Einstein did back in when he was around um, was called he called it spooky action at a distance. That I just um, wonder if you can explain that experience, because that that to me is where. I see the, the the quantum entanglement where when he um, did that experiment.
1: Yeah, Einstein was a theorist, not an experimentalist. So okay, uh, he he would do uh, what he would call Gedanken experiments, which means a thought experiment. That that's what theorists like to do. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a big difference then between doing an experiment in your mind. Uh, and doing one actually in the laboratory, so what Einstein was referring to is uh the the notion of non locality that uh, spooky action at a distance means that somehow something happening over here is affecting something at a far distance and in a technical sense beyond the light cone. what that means is that if in from a classical physics perspective, if I want I want to influence something that's at a distance, I I can do that, I can throw a rock and and cause it to hit something at a distance, but the speed with which I can do that is limited to light speed, and that was, Mm of course, from Einstein's famous theory of relativity. Uh, He proposed that light could only travel at a certain speed, uh, and that was a limiting factor, And, and his theory of relativity has been tested, and it looks like he was correct. That there's a, a limit to light speed. Well, that limit means that it should not be possible for something at, at one point to influence something at another point if it's if it's far too far away and it takes light longer to get there. Then the interaction appears to happen, and so the term non-local, which is an important portion of quantum theory. Mm-hmm is saying that there there do seem to be connections between things uh, that is not limited to light speed. In fact, it's not only that it's faster than light connections, but there doesn't seem to be any time passage at all. So when I use the term that an effect transcends space-time, it's in this sense of being non-local, that things are connected Mm -hmm. through space and time. And when people talk about the illusion of separateness, what that's referring to is non-local connections that transcend space and time, and so that's that is a major break in physics that quantum theory has has shown us as compared to classical physics, because in classical physics you the, you could not affect something at a at a distance beyond the speed the speed of light. So that was that was a prime one of the primary uh changes in terms of our understanding of the physical world.
0: Okay, can you explain that a little bit um I guess a little bit more in layman's terms the the non-locality that you you're speaking of and um how that really um changed how quantum physicists anyway looked at um um I guess reality in a sense. Um like you said there's yeah, a the difference did. The classical
1: physics and the the quantum physics. hmm It it really is a change in our understanding of of reality. Uh, quantum physics has has two elements to it which are different than the classical world. So by classical physics I mean uh, what Newton worked on and many many other physicists for hundreds of years, and we can now look at what they have done as a kind of a a formalization of common sense, like if you throw a rock, the rock will have a will, will trace a parabola through the air and it'll fall, and you'll be able to predict with very high precision based on classical physics where the where the the rock is going to end up. Uh, a lot of, in fact, the vast majority of daily life and of uh, the making of machines and the making of almost everything relies on classical physics. So these these are the physics of the everyday world. Quantum physics started because in trying to use those methods and those ideas to understand the nature of light, that it didn't work anymore. Now, this is before Einstein came along with his theory of relativity. Uh, but, But even before that, that there were already aspects of understanding the nature of light where classical physics simply didn't work anymore. So it, it, quantum theory came was developed as a way of trying to account for certain anomalies. One was called the ultraviolet catastrophe, the other one was called the luminous ether. Uh, these are just names given to phenomena that uh, classical physics were not explained very well. And the the upshot of Uh, Of quantum mechanics, initially starting as a mathematical trick, essentially. It's, It's basically there's a number of different ways of getting to the same theory, originally called matrix mechanics, which is a very complicated mathematical approach, and then Schrodinger's wave equation, which Schrodinger was able to develop and show that his wave metaphor, or the equations of waves, were able to account for the same phenomena that Heisenberg had created when he used matrix mechanics, this complicated mathematical idea. Um, Regardless of the the specific method that was developed, and these are all just equations, after all, uh, when people started looking at the implications of the equations, uh, one of the first to do that was Einstein and his colleagues, who said, well, these equations couldn't possibly be correct because they imply that if you you take a photon and you cause it to split into two and you have the two photons going on their merry way at opposite ends of the universe and you measure one and you get a certain result and that will change the result that you get on the on the other particle. In other words, there's some kind of spooky action at a distance going on between what looks like two different particles. And so for many years, for decades afterwards, uh, people thought, well, maybe Einstein is right. That the spooky action at a distance could not, does not exist in classical physics. Uh, and then maybe it's a mistake in quantum theory. So in the mid 1960s, the physicist John Bell came along who came up with an idea of how to test whether spooky action at a distance is in fact correct. And tests have been done starting in 1972. And since then, in greater and greater refinement, it, it was shown that uh, this spooky action at a distance, in fact, does exist. And it makes it changes our concept of what the physical world actually consists of. And we're talking here about what amounts to the fabric of reality, very deep level of physics, and what, what causes things to hang together. Uh, it is not what Newton and many physicists thought uh, up until about the beginning of quantum theory, so for hundreds of years. It is something quite different, but when the new theory comes along, it has to be compatible with what was seen before, uh, because we have a lot of evidence and Newton's theories were correct. Uh, So it has to be compatible with what was known before, and it has to show that that it's able to account for other phenomena which are not accounted for by by classical theory. So that's what quantum theory does it shows that all of classical mechanics was basically a special case of a more comprehensive theory. And and someday we will find that quantum mechanics, as we currently understand it, is also a special case of and yet even more comprehensive theory. So we're in the midst now of maybe 80 to 90 years of having quantum mechanics as a better physical theory. But a lot of physicists now at the, the leading edge are working on the next, sometimes called super quantum theory, or sometimes called sub quantum theory. Depends on, on their choice of words, but they're mm-hmm. all looking for ways of expanding what we currently understand as uh, as the physical world, uh, and eventually we'll, we'll get beyond quantum theory into something new.
0: So, so would it be true to say that the quantum theory um, the quantum entanglement is basically saying that we are um, literally all connected. <laughs> I, I I just try to put things in very layman, simple terms, but that's mm-hmm. how I understand it. It, it. But I'd like to hear you, as I'm not the scientist, but i like like um, just for you to maybe, because I, I say that to my audience all the time, they hear me say it, but mm-hmm. I'm not a scientist. So is that, in fact, what quantum theory is saying, that we are literally all connected?
1: One of the problems in trying to take quantum theory and interpret it in a popular way is Mm -hmm. that in the process of doing that, it becomes so simplified that it's actually not really correct anymore. So it's like taking a very taking a, a beautiful natural scene and creating a cartoon out of it it the cartoon will have some resemblance for for the actual scene but it's it's been simplified and the the urge is to simplify it down to a point where everybody can understand all of it and the fact is that today we still don't even professionals don't understand what quantum theory is trying to tell us about the world and the way that we can we can show that is if you look for interpretations of the, the ontological status of quantum theory, meaning what does it actually mean? There's something like somewhere between 12 and 20 interpretations that have been proposed. And when you go to conferences where you have physicists and philosophers who specialize in trying to understand what quantum theory means, there is no agreement. There is, there is no one agreement as to what this theory is trying to tell us. And that, that's actually a clue to how important it is because it's extremely precise in terms of, of designing electronics and designing things at the nanoscale. You have to rely on quantum theory because it's a much better theory than, than classical theory. Uh, but when it comes to figuring out, well, what does this tell us about the world? Nobody knows. So one interpretation is Mm -hmm. that because of non-locality, that at at least at a very deep physical level, what appears to be separated particles, in fact, are not actually separated. So again, remember, this is an interpretation, one of many. Mm -hmm. So that interpretation says that maybe what quantum theory is, is showing us is that at deep physical levels, there is the illusion of separation. But there is no separation, so that is Mm -hmm. that is correct. uh, Mm -hmm. But it is it is one of many current interpretations of what is actually going on, and it is in fact this interpretation, this illusion of separation, which does resonate with ideas in mysticism, because within mysticism, that is one of the overriding notions that we are one, and Mm -hmm. and the mind is one, and there's one consciousness. And that then, is the uh, where this um, the idea came from, that quantum mechanics and spirituality are not exact, they're certainly not proving each other because they come from different domains, but they show that there may be a relationship between what we think of as the physical world, according to our best physical model, and the physical world as described to us by the great sages throughout history. That's, that's where that is pointing.
0: Okay. Well, okay, I, I hear and understand I hear and understand and agree with everything you're saying. Um, for me, um I do like for me personally, I like to, to simplify things so I could just kinda get a a better understanding of it. One of the things sure. I, I heard um about like a rock. If we take a rock and we look at it underneath a really super, super, super powerful microscope, you're going to see molecules, you're going to see atoms, you're going to see all these moving particles within that rock. I don't know how many millions or billions. But so say if we're just looking at that molecule, you know, you wouldn't see, if you're zooming in on one little molecule, you can't see that it's a part of this, you, you know, rock. So do we call it a rock, or do we call it a bunch of molecules? Do you, do you follow me?
1: Sure. Yeah, and that, that, of course, is true for any substance, uh, mm-hmm. including the human body. The human body has mm-hmm. trillions of cells. If you were to look at any one cell, you wouldn't know whether it's one person or another person. Uh, but that's a little bit different than the notion of nonlocality. In fact, that's very different. Because, well, it's true that if you look at a given cell, you can't tell where it comes from. Uh, if you look further down, even much lower than the level of molecule into the subatomic realm, it's not only that you can't tell where the electron or, or where the quark comes from, but from a quantum perspective, when you're not looking at it, and this is another major change from classical to quantum physics, When you're not looking at the particle, it is everywhere. It's only Mm -hmm. when you look at it that it actually localizes. So this observer effect in quantum mechanics is also a major puzzle. No one understands the quantum observer effect, uh, but Um, that's where the notion uh, that consciousness may have an important element in the physical world, that's where that idea comes from, that mm -hmm. observation changes how quantum, be- right. quantum behavior?
0: The location. It's kind of like the the double slit um, 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 experiment. Yeah, the double slit. I said it wrong. <laughs> the double slit experiment, which mm-hmm. where photons are are uh, a wave until you look at it. To to you add a conscious observer, and then it it's no longer a wave. So, um, and that kinda touches upon the multiverse theory and um all possibilities. But all of this all of this, like I said, for me, it was the quant- understanding quantum physics on a simple level, not the math and all of that and not yeah, you know, but understanding quantum physics from from what I understand of quantum physics. It it helped me to understand what I was learning On the spiritual side, and they Mm didn't seem to be saying the same thing for me. Um,
1: Right, and and it does for many people.
0: Mm Mhm. So I just go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: So if if you talk to some physicists, they get quite upset that there's this notion that uh, physics is somehow supporting or approving spirituality because they don't agree with that at all. And this is partially because from a a strict perspective, a formal perspective, quantum mechanics is a mathematical theory. It's extremely precise and it doesn't obviously show that consciousness is related to it at all. There are many physicists who actually think it has nothing to do with consciousness. There is... Another group of physicists, and this is simply echoing what I said before, that there's a lot of different interpretations of what's going on here. There is definitely a minority of physicists who say, well, there is an observer effect. There is some strange effect having to do with the observer. It's not by the way, it's not conscious observation. It's any form of observation.
0: Right.
1: Uh it it changes the behavior and this you refer to the double sit experiment, which is correct. It's one of the ways of showing that a quanta, the individual quantum particles, uh, quanta exist in at least two forms. It exists in a wave-like fashion or a particle-like fashion, and when it go- behaves one way or the other, it is dependent in some way on how it is measured or how it is, is a, it is observed. So we've been doing experiments for seven or eight years now, where we have an actual double slit optical system uh we seal it in a in a housing so that you can't see what's going on inside but we ask people to with their, their mind's eye to look at the double slit and and to, to imagine that they could see the photons and so what we're doing is we're using consciousness their their awareness to see something, but not with their physical eyes, with their with their mental eye, like their mind's eye. And we're testing then, uh, does, the, does the photons going through the double slit, do they tend to collapse into a particle as a result of mental observation? And what we have found now in 16 or 17 experiments is that overall the evidence is quite clear that the wave-like behavior of a photon actually does become more like a particle. It doesn't collapse completely into a particle, but in that direction, and statistically speaking, very strong evidence. So what this says is that uh, the, the the meaning of observing a quantum system uh, does have something to do with mental activity, and this is, this might seem I mean this will actually be very compatible with the notion that was presented in the movie What the Bleep, uh it is definitely a controversial topic within mainstream physics. Uh but we now have actual evidence, experimental evidence, that the cartoon that was presented in What the Bleep. Remember the cartoon with Doctor Quantum? Yeah. Showed, yes, the showing showing the world, double set so experiment? Okay. Oh, I was so in the
0: flat land. Okay. Go
1: ahead. No, not flat land. Now there's another cartoon In one of the what the bleep versions where Dr. Quantum demonstrates the double-slit experiment right uh, and shows what happens when you observe it so we we've done an experiment now where the observer is is humans and doing the experiment very much of the way that the cartoon tried to illustrate and Mm -hmm. we we have found that it actually it does matter what people how people use their attention and and changing the behavior of the quantum world. And that's now a second way of of suggesting that one of the notions, and this, by the way, is not so much about spirituality, but more about um, psychic phenomena, that it supports the notion that what you think about the world, the way that you direct your attention, it manipulates the world. It, it is not to a huge extent, but to an extent that could be measured in the laboratory. Wow! So awesome.
0: there is another
1: another indication that uh, some of the ideas in in the movie What to Believe uh, have empirical support and mm-hmm. repeatable empirical support. But again, I, I would caution listeners to not. Um, not run away with that idea too far because uh, we we still know very little about what is actually going on there. And it's difficult to simplify it to the point where we suddenly think that we actually understand it. Uh, Mm -hmm. Leading-edge science, which this is, Mm -hmm. we have many more questions than we have answers at this point. So I would take this lightly. As uh, a suggestion about what's going on, but certainly at this point, not any form of proof.
0: Right. Okay. Well, that also that brings me to the the thought about humans, um, human capability, human um, what they can physically hear, what they can physically see. So, taking and as a scientist, you use instruments. So. The human is measuring um, from his own instrument, you know. So we couldn't see, like, galaxies or stars or planets without these um, powerful telescopes. We couldn't see the atoms and the tiniest particles without powerful microscopes. We can't see those things with our naked eye. And... um, I just know that the the human what the human can see is very limited to what is really out there. Am I are you following me? So the sure. experiment is the human. <laughs> I mean when I say the experiment, the tool is the human. He's going by what he can see, what he can hear, and what his senses can sense. But it's very limited
1: that is correct. Okay. And so we okay. develop we develop instruments to extend right. our our ordinary capacities.
0: Yes. Yes. But I I right. I just I kind of throw that out there just to say that um I know cuz spirituality, ancient spirituality has been around much much longer than quantum physics. And, but it right. just seems like quantum physics is just kind of catching up to what ancient spirituality was has been teaching for many eons. So um, I understand what you're saying when you're saying that the, the theories are not, nothing is definite, nothing is proving really anything, but also we have to factor in the fact that humans are very limited at this mm-hmm. point.
1: Well, one of the reasons why it's it's not a good idea to hitch your wagon to quantum mechanics yet is because, and this is a big difference between spirituality and religion, or spirituality mm-hmm. and science, I meant. The, the difference is that if you, you look at uh, what mystics have said throughout history and even contemporary mystics, they all basically say pretty much the same thing. They, there's the perennial philosophy, so-called, uh, where there's certain truths that, that sages have, have experienced and talked about for a long time. But quantum mm-hmm. mechanics is in an evolutionary path. It's, it's, it comes out of classical physics. It, it is part of this struggle for, from a scientific perspective to understand the nature of physical reality. And so quantum mechanics is not the end of the story. It's, it's a story that is still in the process of changing. So you don't want to link this, these ancient perennial philosophies to something which is changing, because that would force the perennial philosophy to change too. And so far, after thousands of years, the perennial philosophy is called perennial because it's not changing. So I think you're absolutely right that what the, the, the shift from classical to quantum physics if we think of that as a direction, like an arrow pointing from classical to quantum mechanics, that arrow is pointing in the direction that the ancient sages were talking about. And eventually, we're likely to get where the arrow is pointing, but we're still on the very beginning of this path. If if, uh, if humanity manages to live for another 10,000 years, we'll be much further along in terms of our physical theories and I suspect that you're right, that it will get, it will start to converge more and more with what we currently think of as spirituality. But by that time, we will have scientific or mathematical expressions and models which would be, from today's perspective, would be indistinguishable from what people have talked about in terms of spiritual concepts. But so we're still far away from that. But I think that is the direction that we're going.
0: I I agree. I agree. Um, one of the things I say all the time, for me, I liken the whole concept of oneness and non-duality. I know that scientists like to use that word, non-duality. Um, for me, oneness and non-duality say the same mean the same thing. That we are all one. And I my belief is. I don't know if it will happen in my lifetime or when it will happen, but I believe that mankind is going to evolve to know, just like when hundreds of years ago when mankind thought the world was flat and Mm -hmm. was afraid he was going to fall off the edge of the earth if he went too far. Um, And if someone back in those days said, no, I think the world is round. You're not going to fall off the edge. They would have. Hung him probably. <laughs> they would have thought he was crazy. Um, now we know, you know, we've been out in space and we've seen the world. We know it's round. I believe that one time, in, in some point in mankind's evolution, he will come to know that we are all one. That we are literally all connected. And so, and when that day happens, I don't know. And I believe what you're saying that science will, at that time, have. You know, undeniable proof of our oneness. So I, I guess I'm—I feel like I'm just a little bit a, a little ahead of the curve, maybe. But not—I know I'm not mm-hmm. alone. <laughs> I'm not alone in um, that uh, belief, though. So, um, yeah. I believe that's the, the direction that we are heading. Well, you know, even good. in science,
1: sci- science is has been very good at at uh, cutting the universe apart. And that that's mm-hmm. where we have many different disciplines, and people spend their entire lives studying one tiny little piece of the universe, but it's called mm-hmm. the universe for a good reason. it's one thing you need first. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. uh we because our our mental capacities are still pretty limited, we can't know everything, so we have to carve it up into little pieces where we can know something in depth. Uh, maybe one of the evolutionary tracks that we're on is uh, computers will become smart enough to uh, be able to pull together knowledge from many different fields and begin to actually uh, grasp the the oneness of the universe. Like knowing if you knew everything at the level of very high expertise in every scientific di- discipline, it's almost hard to imagine how you could do that. You you can't study long enough to be able to do that, uh, and you can't cram it all into your head at the same time, but a computer can do that, in which mm-hmm. case m- at that stage where you begin, begin to unify the various disciplines that science has been so good at at carving out, uh, I think that your, your sense of uh, science and spirituality beginning to converge, I think that that is correct. And I have a, a, a very limited—I mean, I'm having to rely on my imagination here—but I know some. I know a little bit about a lot of different disciplines, and a lot about just a couple of disciplines. But because of the of a broad, if you read a lot of different disciplines, you'll understand some of it in more detail in others. But you do get a sense of a, of a rich form of interconnection that that actually spans every discipline that there is. So if you can imagine a computer, maybe Mm -hmm. the human mind can do this, but it's not going to be Homo sapiens as we currently are. It's going to be some other species like Homo superior or something Mm -hmm. of that sort in some future evolutionary sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, We might have the capacity to actually see the big picture. And the big picture, I think, is going to start looking more and more like what the mystics talk about, Except we'll have better language for it. I mean, yeah. one of the reasons that we there's so many there's so much discussion and um, misunderstandings and minor understandings of, of spirituality and its relationship to science is that we don't yet have language to talk about it properly. So that will change too.
0: Yes, very true. Very true. I I do believe we we are as a species heading. In the right direction. I think it's um, important that those of us who are 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 on that path of moving in that direction help to maybe share that information with others. That's why I I, I use the word awaken to oneness because I really believe um, then this is from the spiritual end that these this is something we do already know that we have forgotten that ancient civilizations knew. These things like how did the pyramids get built? You know, mm-hmm. ancient civilizations kind of had a little more going on than than we do. Um, I I believe this is my belief, um, and so I believe at one time mankind um, was uh, more aware of of these things that we are now just starting to relearn, re remember, remember, mm-hmm. <laughs> wake up and remember. Um, so um, that's why I did title this show Awake to Oneness, because I believe it's Mm -hmm. something that we, once we awake, because it's like when, like I said, for me, I shared this with you earlier, and I have shared this on the show before, about the the one sentence in What the Bleep that truly woke me up to the idea and the concept of oneness was when Lynn McTaggart said, the biggest problem in the world today is the illusion of separateness. And when she said that, it just everything I was struggling with with spirituality made sense to me. So it was mm-hmm. quantum physics that made me understand spirituality. But I, it also, I, it just like I'm like, wow, you know, I'm I was just amazed how far. Man has has already come with quantum physics, and I know mm-hmm. that man is going to go much farther, you know, in, in days to come. Now, um, I believe, are you um, actually, Awake to One, this radio is going to be hosting... Their first event on Global Oneness Day, um, which is uh, Saturday, October 24th, we are going to be mm-hmm. hosting a celebration here in the Poconos where I live, northeast PA. People, A lot of people don't even know where the Poconos are. <laughs> people will tell me, where are the Poconos? Northeast Pennsylvania. So we will be hosting... Um, uh, Global oneness Day celebration at the Pocono Mountain Library that day, but I think, I believe that's going to be a 13-hour free 13-hour tele summit um, that is hosted by Humanities Team. I believe you are going to be one of the speakers that day. Am I correct? Yes, correct. That's or? correct. Okay, yes, all right. Yes, I, I just wasn't. The Yes, so because we, we are going to be gathering for about four hours, so we're going to mm-hmm. be gathering at the, well, because we're East Coast, and it's going to start 8 o'clock um, West Coast, and so that's 11 o'clock our time, so we'll be able to, to come together and listen to the first few hours of the Telesummit Live, which is great. I don't mm-hmm. know which hour <laughs> you'll be speaking, but I just, I mean, I've been, it is the sixth annual global oneness day and i know that humanities team is collecting signatures and bringing it to the un so global oneness day will be sanctioned as a global holiday um, when they collect a um, hundred thousand signatures and they're well on their way and collecting those signatures so um, I have been celebrating Global Oneness Day since the first, since which was uh, October uh, 2010, mm-hmm. because I had my awakening to oneness in I believe it was the month of October in 2007. So um, I, I'm just happy to be able to to share uh, to be able to celebrate with uh, people in my area. On that day, and really looking forward to all of the different scientists and spiritual people, and people from all walks of life. I kind of, mm-hmm. I've been the last few days. I've been kind of having to explain and to people what oneness is about. Um, it, you know, people want to put us in a box, you know, and classify us as spirit, spiritual or a cult or a religion, and. I keep, it's just no, <laughs> no, no, we're not an a cult, we're not in a religion, we, um, every there are people from all religions, from all walks of life, from, there are atheists, there are agnostics, uh, you name it, every major religion in the world, and minor religion, there are people from all walks of life involved in, the Oneness Movement, which is basically the the mission of the Oneness Movement is for peace on Earth. When you know, because really when you think about it, if everybody woke up tomorrow and knew in their heart they were connected to everybody on the planet and that if what they did to another person, they are literally doing it to themselves, there would be peace overnight. I mean if everybody really woke up to that that universal truth and I, I believe it's a universal truth and and I believe one day mankind will know it as a universal truth from from scientific evidence as well as from ancient spir- spiritual wisdom and mm-hmm. it would just be it would be peace on earth overnight so so um uh, we're taking baby steps in that direction which is Awesome, and I, I, I just, I'm just happy to be able to use this platform like internet radio. It wasn't around how many years ago. I mean, for me, um, you know, this is I can do a talk show with some of the top scientists like yourself in the world, um, some of the top spiritual um leaders in the world. I can do a show from my uh office, home office, which is amazing. So. Technology and, like you said, all of the new technology is coming from the um, advancements in quantum physics. All of that is bring is really, we're we're moving leaps and bounds in the direction of. Where the world we already have, the internet is our nervous system, you know we're already connected. you know I get emails from people in Africa, Malaysia, all over the world they you know I got my show, they listened to my show, and it inspired them and that just if I get one email a week that i'm I'm happy <laughs> you know i'm that mm. just that makes me um continue in this mission of just sharing the message of oneness, that we are all one. And it's all really about love. Just love your neighbor. You know, whatever doesn't matter. It's not about a religion. You know, you practice the religion that you believe in, but just love your neighbor. That's all all it's about. And and I think um, sharing that message can never um, go wrong, you know. You can't you can't lose with sharing a, a message, and that for me that's why I kind of like to simplify it. I know what you're saying. You're a scientist, <laughs> and you you feel like I I understand what you were saying about when you take a a quantum theory or a quantum experiment and and simplify it. But a lot of times, um, if you don't, for some people, they just you know they're like, okay, what are you talking about? And for me, just understanding oneness simplified everything for me. I keep thinking I want to write a book of spirituality for dummies, just because now it, to me it's simple. <laughs> it's simple. Mm-hmm. We're all connected. We're all one, and, um, and it just made made life very easy for me. It made simplified my life. So, um, I, and I wanted to be able to share that. But I, I truly, truly appreciate you um, taking the, your time and, and coming on the show. Um, is there? I know you're going to be speaking on uh, um, Global Oneness Day, which is October 24th. Uh, do you have any other speaking engagements coming up um, that you would like to share? Well,
1: uh, there is both. Uh, Quantum University has a series of free lectures happening in the a- in a day or two, beginning of October, uh, with some of the same people who will be involved mm-hmm. in the Global Oneness Day. Uh and what also was the name the of that again? Quantum uh, University.
0: You- Quantum University, okay. Is there a website yeah. people can go to?
1: Okay. Oh yeah, I'm sure if you just look up uh Quantum University Integrative Medicine Summit, you okay. will see it. Or if you go to my Facebook page you'll you'll also see a, a list of that.
0: Okay. So uh, you share 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 your URL, your Facebook page. Uh, well my, I mean, oh, m- your face, my, your URL is uh. Is yeah, face, Just Radin? go to
1: Facebook and look look up okay. my name. And by the way, it's it's pronounced Raiden, not Raden.
0: I'm sorry, Raiden. Okay. All right. Um, and so that's coming up in a few days. You said awesome. Yeah. I know so the all, Okay. Go ahead. It,
1: it's similar to the Global Oneness Day in that there's uh, a series of free lectures. I think these are longer. There's more like a webinar, uh, mm-hmm. whereas the, the Global Oneness Day, I believe, is radio and uh, internet radio, but mm-hmm. not webinar.
0: Mm-hmm. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's coming awesome. up. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us because I was not familiar with that. I know also this mm-hmm. weekend is the Mind Body. So um, Mind, body and soul expo in Philadelphia, where mm. um Michael Bernard Beckwith will be speaking um i mm-hmm. will hopefully I get the chance to see him on sunday um so there's a lot going on in this area um where yes. yeah that is it's definitely spreading and growing, and um somewhere I, I think I heard someone recently say that it's time to come out of the closet, you know, because I, I think a lot of people may even feel this way but um afraid to to share their thoughts with others just because they feel that it's taboo. Like, I think I've heard you speak of that with scientists, um, mm-hmm. especially scientists. And Well, next week, my guest is going to be Dr. Larry Dorsey. I'm not sure if you're mm-hmm. familiar with him. He wrote yes, the book, his, his, One Mind. His
1: name is pronounced, his name is pronounced Dossie. Dossie.
0: And Yes, I okay. know
1: Larry very well.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I am so sorry I am pronouncing everybody's name incorrectly, but thank you. Um, yes, he will be my guest next Friday, and he mm-hmm. wrote the book, One Mind. That, I know he wrote several books, but the mm-hmm. book that we will be focusing on, um, in our discussion, will be his book One Mind, which is okay. amazing. I, I discovered him on YouTube. I discover all you guys on YouTube, and when I discovered him, I was just very, very blown away. And he's a medical doctor, so mm-hmm. that, um, and uh, I've had Dr. Bruce Lipton on the show, and um, heart math and it's just it's just amazing and I'm so grateful and so thankful for all of you experts that have been studying and working in this field um for many many years and coming on and sharing your knowledge um with us um very thank you so much and um sorry <laughs> I mispronounced your name so it is Raiden not Radin, that's, that's, Radin, yes. yes. Okay, okay. Thank you so much. I do appreciate you you coming and sharing an hour with us. And mm-hmm. the, the time always flies by so quickly. Um, oh, before we go, I did want to ask you: um, Could you um, share with us what does the Institute of Noetic Sciences? What is that all about? The Institute of Noetic Science.
1: Our institute was started by the Apollo 14 astronaut named Edgar Mitchell, who was the sixth man to walk on the moon. And the idea of of this institute began with him when he was on the way back to the Earth and uh, for a moment didn't have anything to do, which is unusual for an astronaut. And he looked out uh, of, of the space capsule at the Earth from a few hundred thousand miles away, and at, at that distance, you see it as as a ball hanging in space. So you have the blackness of space and this bright blue ball with a from space a very, very thin atmosphere, and it looks very fragile from Earth. And the thing that struck him initially was that everything we know about everyone you've ever met, anyone you've ever heard from, everyone in our history, all came out from that blue ball, everything. So mm-hmm. that, that struck him uh, to such an extent that uh, he began to feel a connection with all of humanity all, all throughout time, uh, because after all, he's a part of that little blue ball. And as far as we can tell, so far we, we suspect that there are other planets out there with people on him, but we haven't found them yet so it, it his that experience pretty rapidly evolved into a full-blown mystical experience where he felt connected not only to him, to life on earth but to life throughout the universe and and describes it in very much the same way that mystics have de, have described throughout history so when he came back to earth he was so stunned with this mystical experience that he had in space that he was determined to use the tools of science to try to understand better what what is that mystical experience trying to tell us about the nature of ourselves and about reality and so he coming out of uh, an engineering and, and um, the navy and the and the nasa uh was interested in whether science could actually gain the comp- the competence to be able to understand these kinds of strange um inner experiences so the word noetic is a word that that is translated from the Greek and is the same root word as the word Gnosticism. It has to do with ways of knowing and mm-hmm. not just rational ways, which is what science uses, but intuitive ways, psychic ways, mystical ways and so on. So we use we study all different ways of knowing about ourselves and about about reality.
0: Wow. Amazing. That is amazing. So, yeah, it, I hear a lot of people who have done deep meditation, and some even, it doesn't um, matter the how long they've been meditating, but there's been many people that have had that experience, that experience of feeling one with everything, mm-hmm. the universe and everybody mm-hmm. um, through a meditative state, a mystic state like that. And so that is amazing. So, uh, and reports of those experiences um, also are kind of um, what kind of is you know what makes me feel on a heartfelt level. <laughs> you know, heart math talks about that heart uh, intelligence a lot. From my heart mm-hmm. uh, level, um, I really feel that the oneness is is what's real because it just feels that way to me from a heartfelt mm-hmm. level and so i'm going more with my heart than my head <laughs> when i when i speak of oneness but that's amazing right. well thank you so much i truly truly appreciate you um sharing all of your knowledge and especially that story of of the astronaut um that right. was amazing thank you so much so i don't want to hold you right. up any longer um the hour flew by Um, and I truly appreciate, and I will be listening to you on the 24th. And also, will you be also speaking at the um, Quantum um, um, Quantum University webinar coming up in a few days?
1: Yes, I'll be doing one of the webinars.
0: Okay, great. So I will be sure to be tuning into that as well. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you, Dean. You're welcome. Please have a wonderful weekend, and God bless. Good night. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye.